Hey, hey there, business owner. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Evolution Podcast. This is our weekly episode, and I'm so happy you are here. Let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneur Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Walter. I'm a business growth coach, operational strategist, and growth-minded entrepreneur just like you, scaling two businesses on the national level. I'm so happy you are here. You are the reason why this podcast exists. This is a podcast about entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. I'm joined by entrepreneurs that are scaling their business, growing and evolving, and sharing their story here of what it takes in the day-to-day to survive and thrive in this market. Today, I am joined by Kara Golden. She is the founder and the CEO of Hint Water, and most recently, the author of Undaunted overcoming doubts and doubters. This interview, honestly, I enjoyed so much. Kara shares so much about her story, what it takes to keep on showing up. She gives real advice and is truly inspirational. I love how we connected and we talked about children and entrepreneurial families and a lot of her other different products, including a recent deodorant line and sunscreen and hand sanitizer line. She is kind, she is thoughtful, she is a curious learner, and honestly, just a tenacious entrepreneur. You are going to love this episode, and I know you're going to gain so many amazing, amazing nuggets from the words of wisdom that she shares with us today. I'm grateful for Kara, and it's wonderful to learn from Kara and to share her story here with you today. Make sure you hit subscribe if you'd like today's episode and you'd like the podcast, and be sure to leave a review. The reviews are what really helps us behind the scenes, build the, co- the podcast, and share the podcast with others in this space. Thank you for being here today, entrepreneur. If you haven't had the chance to book a great a breakthrough call with me, I want to hear about you and your business. I want to know what's happening with you personally and what's going on behind the scenes with you and your company. It's a safe, judgment-free zone to vent and process and organize your thoughts with me personally. So make sure you take some time to schedule a call. I'd love to have that time with you. Enjoy today's episode and keep evolving, entrepreneur. I am so proud of you. Welcome, Kara Golden. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited you are here and we are going to have a great conversation today. We are joined by Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint Water and author of Undaunted, an amazing book, an amazing read, an amazing listen on Audible, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. So good. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me and and having the book here as well. It's really, and and, uh, I saw a little image of the hat a little while ago as well, the undaunted hat. Trucker hats, here we go, the hat, I love it, so fun. Everybody has to have the the undaunted hat. It sets the stage for the day, for sure. Yes, it's a good one. And it happens to be my son's lacrosse colors, so even better on the lacrosse field, right? I love <laughs> how are it. You, how are your kids? You have four kids. Everybody's doing well in summer mode. 
I have four kids. I have two, uh, two girls, two boys. The girls are actually in Maine right now. They're camp counselors at their old camp and all the kiddos are coming today. So they've been up there for a couple of weeks getting ready for it. And then, uh, actually my son is one of my sons is going to his last year at his camp. So he's taking off shortly to get out there for the weekend and, or for, for the month actually. And, and, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's very, very exciting. Those are really fun summer memories. So I, I read the book and I absolutely love it. And I want to start off talking about your dad, if that's okay. Absolutely. One of the things that struck a chord and my father is an entrepreneur and he and I are very close as well. But one of the things that really kind of struck a chord with me was your father's father relationship and the words that he kind of shared with him about being a business owner. So can you just kind of share with the audience a little bit about that and how that impacted you and this tenacity that you have and what you've put into building Hint Water? Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, you mean how my dad talked to me about business. Well, I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, in many ways, this book, writing this book was kind of therapeutic for me as well, Mm -hmm. kind of realizing how I thought about things over the years, and maybe even an apology to some extent of, you know, the pressures that I put on him. I was the last of five kids, uh, grew up in in Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, super middle class. Um, My dad had a you know, good job. Uh, he was initially working for Armor Food Company. Um, he had developed a line of better for you foods, uh, frozen foods called Healthy Choice, uh, which was later acquired by ConAgra. But you know, it's interesting. He was incredibly creative, really smart, uh, and a super hard worker. But he was also, uh, you know, working inside of a a large company. And so innovation, what I saw early in my very, very early informative years was super, super against the grain of a large company, right? Especially a large public company, because they wanted sure things. You were fighting up against other uh, brands within, you know, that large company that had, uh, frozen food space, right? So here my dad was trying to create something better for you and and good inside of a large company. And, you know, it was frustrating. And so I often call him a frustrated, you know, entrepreneur today when I talk about him, because I would say things like, well, if you don't like it, then why don't you go outside of the company and do something? But, you know, what I probably didn't fully realize until I had kids of my own was that, the, the fact that he didn't go outside and take that risk right. had a lot to do with him putting food on the table for his family exactly. and, you know, and that responsibility. And so I think about even today when entrepreneurs ask me, well, you know, should I quit my job? Should I do it? You know, and you never really know the world that somebody's living in, right? That it's just, you know, what their bill situation is, right? It's really tough for me to sit inside their journey and sit in their shoes and sort of know all of this. What I do know is that when 
I ultimately decided to go and start a company. And, you know, I had worked inside of some, I guess, smallish companies, which eventually ended up scaling and becoming larger. I think what I learned is that, you know, nothing is ever forever, right? I mean, it's just, and, and I think that my dad's reason for not leaving was financial security. Uh Uh, But then something happened when I was in high school, he was actually let go um, for, for not having an MBA. Right. And, you know, really kind of hit him pretty hard. And that was the eighties. I mean, I'm waiting for that for that CNN special, you know, how they talk about the eighties and the nineties and the eighties was all about having an MBA. Yes. And so the people who didn't have an MBA, when you made cuts, it didn't matter how old you were. It was, um, let's just, you know, that's a way to, to cut somebody. And I didn't really understand how they could possibly do that when he had developed something that is still one of their number one products in their portfolio today. Right. And, you know, and it was, but I think it just goes back to stupid things happen. Some mm-hmm. things are out beyond your control. Um, you know, ultimately it's an interesting story. He ended up getting hired back because of his relationships with his suppliers mm-hmm. who um, were shrimp fishermen um, who didn't have MBAs uh, either. And so ultimately they didn't understand why, you know, the large company ConAgra was uh, was buying from them when they didn't have MBAs yet they were letting you know my father go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the net of it is, I think that there's a lot of stories in there. There's a lot of stuff to to unpack from mm-hmm. it. But more than anything, doing what your what you feel is the best thing for you and what makes you happy and what has purpose mm-hmm. is is truly, uh, the best thing. And you don't wait thinking, well, you know, is there a better time? I think my dad, uh, had a family, right. Mm -hmm. That he's realized that, you know, it wasn't a good time then maybe it would have been better if it was earlier. And so that's something that I think about a lot that if you really can't get it out of your mind and you want to go do something, um, and, also, if you, you want to do something with meaning and purpose, mm-hmm. um, then you should go do it and go give it a try. And because things will happen, things will show up, things will happen in your life that um, maybe you didn't plan on, maybe you did, that, that you can't make those moves for other reasons. It's, it's so true. And everything you said is ringing really true, I'm sure, with, with, with everybody out there in the audience, because whether you are in the corporate world right now and thinking about that big, scary step, or you perhaps are in a financial situation where you just don't think that you can do it, if there's never a right time, right? But if it's something that's in you and you really have that passion and purpose to go after it, you really just need to do it. And it takes a lot of hustle. So, so the common theme of corporate world with Conagra and then you and your big conversation with one of the larger beverage companies, you know, is, is something that, that pops up in the book. So where do you find your, where do you find your grit and 
and your hustle and your grind. And I know what it takes. I know what it takes. I'm right there with you. But like, where do you honestly find it? You know, I, I think that the more challenging times one has that it, 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 those are the people that build resistance. So mm-hmm. those are the people, when you think about it, are considered the fearless risk takers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also the people that you give the projects to because you know they'll just, you know, go figure it out. They're scrappy. Right. And right. so I, where do I find the grit? I mean, you know, I think it, I think my grit really started when I was the last of five and, right. and having to, you know, fight for a seat at the dinner table and, you know, and, and I mean, of course I had my own chair, don't right. get me wrong, but it was just, you know, it was uh, look, I had brothers and sisters, brothers in particular, who ate a lot more than I did. Right. And so it was like, wait, why didn't you guys save me dinner? And, you know, it was kind of like that kind of stuff. So always showing, always kind of having to fight for it in some way and figure stuff out, mm-hmm. I think was definitely something that I grew up with. And again, when you look back on those times, they're challenging times. Maybe they piss you off along the way. Right. Um, maybe they don't go the way that you necessarily think they should go, but then you recognize that they're part of you and who you are as an individual mm-hmm. and, you know, what makes you a fighter, what makes you um, a person that is, you know, comes up with creative solutions, a person that doesn't take no for an answer, all of those, you know, challenges are opportunities for you to know that they'll help you somewhere along the way. And I think that that's, that's something that I really like to get across in, in, you know, my story that I share too, is that it sometimes when you're going through those times, you're, you know, you just want to forget about them. But instead, what I always share with people is that maybe you can't do this right now, but going back and really thinking about, you know, what would I have changed? Could I have changed anything? Right. And, and really thinking about, you know, those times as learnings and of, and things that are put in place for a reason, you know, I have an example for you that, uh, that was not in the book, just as, okay. just as an example. So, you know, for one thing I did write about in the book was the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Oh, yes. And, oh, yes. You know, and how challenging it was and, you know, truly like bet the company, bet my personal life. And, you know, it's something that friends, when they read the book, they said, I saw you at, you know, school drop-off. Right. I had Birthday no party. idea. That what the, that this was going on with you? I mean, wow, it's incredible, and I mean, you as an entrepreneur know like what was I supposed to do? Go to school, drop off, and say, by the way, um, you know, there's a really good chance that we might not be living here for so long. I mean, what what are you supposed to say? Oh, I know. I just had to put you know fifty thousand of my own money to make payroll, right? You know, those right. what we were and doing this time, and instead right? you just keep going, and you're you know, and you know these people, but you know you don't. You don't want to drag them into your mess too. And part of you is doubting, was that the right thing to do? Okay. I've just got to get through the day and parent and show up and do all of this, do, do all of this stuff. Well, 
So the manuscript was turned in at the beginning of 2020. And of course, you know, March rolls around, at least in the US, that was when we were really feeling that the pandemic was real. And I remember shutting my New York office down. I was out there um, on uh, March 11th and we shut it down on March 12th before even New York was officially shutting down. And that weekend, I came back to San Francisco and was uh, seeing that a lot of store shelves were empty. We were getting numerous customer service uh, emails and inquiries about, you know, when are you guys going to be back in stock and Target and all mm-hmm. these different Whole Foods and all these different stores. Uh, and we were seeing that shipping was definitely increasing and, you know, it was just mayhem on so many levels and it was all hands on deck. Then we had employees in San Francisco saying, Hey, are we shutting down our office? We just heard that Google and Facebook are shutting down. And by the way, we are the largest beverage in Silicon Valley to a lot of those offices. So I started seeing, okay out of stock, can't make money on at when we're out of stock, where is this product? We knew that it was sitting inside of back rooms or inside of distributors or warehouses or whatever. And then we were counting up the offices that were closing. We were going to close our own office, but we, I thought this is like 15% of our business. That's going to go away. And so then we, also realized that not only did we need to support these distributors to get the product out on the shelf, Mm -hmm. but we also needed to raise more capital because in 2008, 2009, part of the, you know, big challenge that I looked at during that time was that we didn't have enough money in the bank. And when the financial crisis hit, nobody was funding things. So I started thinking, okay, that's the next shoe that's going to drop. And I reached out to our CFO and I said, we need to raise money. And he said, did you, do you realize that all offices are closed? I mean, the whole, you know, financial community is not going to be meeting with you. Everything's on zoom. And I said, we cannot look at zoom as our wall. We have to use zoom as a tool and it is how we connect with these people and we need to raise money. We need to have enough money in the bank for the next couple of years to weather the storm. We don't know what's going to happen here. And we have a lot on, on this. I mean, we had Walmart and Sam's club and Aldi. And then a couple of weeks later, we got a phone call from Costco to go nationwide. I mean, it was just crazy. So PS, Uh we raised money days at all the right terms and it's and the number one thing that we did was not only get out there ahead of other people who were looking to raise money but also we had all of our ducks in a row we were like we were doing things we had the story right we were ready to be able to go out versus Maybe other people are thinking, oh, everything's going great. We're going into all of these distribution places. Everything, you know, is just humming along. What what I had seen before was all that is great until it isn't, Mm -hmm. right? So always having a little bit of paranoia 
about the fact that I never called it a pandemic, right. but when something boom comes in and disrupts, when one of your plants goes down, when, you know, one of your, um, you know, big customers goes away, uh-huh. like what, what happens and being able to not have all your eggs in one basket, having enough money at all times in the bank, all of those things are things that I learned from challenges Absolutely. and the way, and, and also, you know, when people say you're a little paranoid about stuff, it's because I've been, I've seen it. Yes. I've seen, I've seen this movie before and I don't want that movie again. I don't yeah. want to make that mistake a second time. And I'm sure some of this is resonating with you, right? Like it's just. Yes. Well, you know, it was like 2008 never really left our rearview mirror. It was yeah. always there. And every single yeah. entrepreneur that knew like, okay, we're through this a little bit now, but what's next? And there will be something next. There will be another challenge. There will be another obstacle. There will be another high and there will be another low. That's just, that's just the nature of, of the world and, and yeah. of, of where we are. And, you know, in your business, I, I always say new level, new devil. So when you get to every single point in your business, from whether a revenue standpoint or a geographic reach or, or whatever it is, you know, you're going to have different pain points and different things to learn. And I love that you are such a curious learner. And I think that that's just something that is in the entrepreneurial spirit. It's just that curiosity and that continuous craving of learning and knowing and wanting to know more and, and, and admittedly saying, I don't, we don't know it all and we should know it all. Right. So, so it's, it just rings so true. And I love, you have a podcast as well, which is amazing. Everyone out there needs to, to listen to it. The Carol Golden show. It's so good. You had Marcia Kilgore on and the quote that actually, um, you shared, I don't know if she said it or you said it, but it just really echoes everything that you just said. The more challenges you have, the more resilient you become, right? Mm -hmm. And then you ended, I love this one, a problem shared is not as heavy, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're right. When we were 2008, we were showing up for these like birthday parties and I'm sure my kids were tiny then, Your, your kids were smaller as well. And it's like, you just had to keep on going. It's like, it's like the duck, right? Everything's full on the top, but paddling underneath like a crazy woman. Right. So, so tell me about uh, any big moments. I know you, you mentioned so many big moments in the book and you've had so many big moments in your career. Um, I mean, really throughout before hint and then post hint, what are the, the big like moments that just make you really proud? Is there anything that comes to mind when I say that? especially so many, I mean, mean, so many good ones. I know there's so many, you know, I think one in particular that I think about a lot is uh, there, there's a story in the book about Starbucks, uh, that was, you know, I won't get too deep into it, but it's, uh, it's one that, you know, I remember getting into Starbucks and that was such a major, uh, win for us. And then that business went away um, for no particular 
reason mm-hmm. um, other than the fact that they changed strategy. It wasn't that yes. we weren't like doing well in there, et cetera. And I think for me, I was, I was in this mode where I was putting the bandaid on it a little bit. I was, I was in, you know, triage trying to, you know, figure out what to do with my inventory that was going to go bad, that I was going to have to throw away. And I didn't want to do that because that was money, right. That I was throwing out the door and I'm a huge believer. And I've always been a big, big believer that when you, when you open up yourself and the world that I've got this problem, um, you're not like, there's a way to do it where you're not complaining. You're just letting people know what you're thinking about versus actually holding it inside of you that, you know, you've got the, you've got this inventory, you're trying to figure out exactly what to do with it. And whenever that happens, when I feel like I'm not specifically going to people because I think they can help, I'm just telling people, this is where my head is right now. Whenever I'm much more open about here, you know, vulnerable, um, saying this is my life at the moment, all of a sudden doors open. And my door was that opened that day was Amazon and Amazon reached out and they said, Hey, you know, buyer said, I buy your product all the time when I get my latte in the morning at Starbucks. And of course, I didn't know whether or not I should share with him that we were just out of there or not anymore, (laughs) but he needed the product immediately. He needed him immediately because they were launching and he really wanted to put hint Blackberry into his lineup for grocery. And so I shared with him that I could definitely make that happen. We had had an overrun of uh, Blackberry Hint that was in our warehouse right now and that he just needs, I'll send him wiring instructions. Nice. So I did that. And after the you know first couple of months, we became the number one uh, product inside of beverage, inside of Amazon and one of the number ones in products inside of grocery. And it was about a year into that situation where I was in Seattle at Amazon headquarters Mm -hmm. and the buyer just purely by accident said to me, I love your product because I learn a lot from the, from the sales. And Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, the people that are buying hint are also buying things like diabetes monitors. My world. <laughs> right? And yes, my son's type one. So we we love him for that reason. So go ahead. Yes. Yeah. And right. so they cross categories. And he said it's fascinating because mm-hmm. other beverages, we don't see that. Mm-hmm. We don't see their people are putting this uh, like those type of that healthy halo in the cart. And I said, that's really interesting. I mean, the reason I started Hint was to get off of diet sweeteners. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, very clearly you have a number of people who are trying to also get off of diet sweeteners or can't have, you know, sweet at all. Uh And Um, And I said, yeah, I'd love to talk to those customers. Can you give me some emails? And he kind of laughed. He said, Jeff Bezos can't give you those emails. (laughs) Like, there's no way we can't give you those emails. And I remember thinking at that moment, 
that, you know, if I had the emails, if I had my own relationship with the customer, then when I was kicked out of Starbucks, I would be able to reach out to those customers and talk to them and tell them that I know you can't pick up a bottle of can at Starbucks, but we're available on Amazon. We're available inside of Target and Costco and all these other locations. But because I put all my eggs in one basket in Starbucks, I mean, we had like 40% of our overall business was sitting in Starbucks. I had no connection with, with the consumer. That was a big mistake, right? But if I, but the combination of Starbucks and then the story with Amazon in my journey, it was on that Southwest flight coming back from Seattle to San Francisco, where I live, that I realized that I need to launch my own direct-to-consumer business because I'm never, the fight with these retailers yes. to have a relationship with the, with the consumer, that is, it's just not going to happen. It's tough. And, in, and instead, what I need to do is focus on it. Now, the fight internally with my vision for launching a direct to consumer somehow was seen as by our board and you know some of our investors as why would you compete against amazon and i was explaining to them that if we ever want a relationship with the consumer then we need to do this and there's a lot of reasons why you want to have a that relationship with the consumer one of the reasons is during a pandemic stores close. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and then suddenly you're at the mercy of what their hours are, what they're open or, or not. And, and so, and, and also many of these retailers don't carry all of our flavors. So if we want to do a small run of one flavor, or we want to test flavors, right. That's what we want to do. With sizes, the new leaders, not everybody has the leaders. Right. And so I thought that hard. And I said, I mean, I think in many ways I fought my, I, I bet my job again, I've done that a few times on believing that this was the correct thing to do. But I also knew that if I was wrong, that we didn't have to have it. Uh, We we could end it. I mean, it's so many of these decisions along the way, what I've learned as an entrepreneur is you fear failing. But the reality is, is that you can pull back the reins pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what is, if, if the, if it, the initial investment is pretty low and it's really mm-hmm. a test to see whether or not you're right, mm-hmm. then why not go do it? Right. And why, why agonize over it? But that is one in particular that I'm super proud of because for a lot of reasons, yes. but more than anything, the ability to be able to service the customer today. I mean, that business is close to 50% of our overall business. Is the B2C. Is the B2C. Yeah. And it's interesting. I wrote down here on my notes, all of the lessons Starbucks taught you. You know, we we sell to Starbucks and we've worked with Starbucks for a long time. And it's, it is, it's, it's, it's almost like it becomes for entrepreneurs to get your product in uh, in Starbucks or to work with Starbucks. It's a big, almost like ego thing, right? You feel like you've almost made it once you're in Starbucks, right? But behind the scenes, and you describe this so well in the book, what it took for you to fully deliver to them and fully prepare and work on their terms 
it's, it's, it's uh, backbreaking, right? It can crush smaller businesses. And, and then it becomes like this instant, almost breakup where you're crushed and, and it could really just kill some companies. So when you, this emotion, all of the emotion that goes into what we do is just so powerful. And for you to, to take that so perfectly and the opportunity with Amazon come, that was just, it was amazing. And I love, I love, love, love how you describe every little step of the way with that. And you're honest about that in the book. It's really, it was really so good. And there's so much more than what you just said. So that's awesome. It's really great. Um, but you know, it, it is, it is tough for companies that are working with these larger companies, because like you said, they're on, it's their terms, right? And and I think that that's really important too, is that you have to figure out what works for you so much along the way too. And there's multiple stories in the book about that too, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're starting to feel that, this isn't working for you and this isn't right for you. And this could really expose you in a way I, okay. that is really going to be detrimental to your overall business. I think that you have to make those decisions mm-hmm. for yourself. And I have much more respect for people who mm-hmm. have shared that kind of um, thinking behind it, that they've really thought about it than right. you know, people who just say, you know, I feel like I've got my back up against a wall, but fine. Right. Right. And those are the people that really run into when you're doing it because you think it's a huge name and you're going to like, you're going to go out of business if you don't do it. And you might as well, you know, loss leader things so much now that it's like, you know, just to build your business, it it ends up biting you in the butt in the end. I mean, it really, really does. It does. And it's okay to fire clients like that, you know, and to really make sure that you have the, you have to have those fierce conversations and it does, it takes, it takes getting some, some tough skin and some armor. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll have an offline conversation about that, but it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It really is tough. Okay. So I have a couple more questions. I don't want to keep you so long, but like, okay, so this is a question. I don't know if you've ever gotten this question, but audible. Okay. I listened to the book through audible and you like, how, how does that work? How does that work? You reading your own book? Like, what did that look like for you? What did that feel like for you? How much time did it take? Like walk me through the behind the scenes of that. It's just something that I'm curious about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, so doing your own book on audible, I mean, you have to remember I was, um, I, I was publishing my book during a pandemic Um, in the midst of everything being closed. And I know that many people listen to books on Audible. I I love Audible and I love, you know, listening to audiobooks. And when I, when I started thinking about my own experience that actually hearing the author um, Mm -hmm. and, and hearing them sort of tell their own story, particularly when it's from their own experience. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call my book a memoir, but it's, but it definitely is a, you know, it's my own experiences. And I think that when I started looking at different opportunities for the book and on uh, my publisher actually gave me some various people to read the book primarily because the, uh, the, 
their offices, um, Harper Collins office who published my book were closed. So they couldn't, they didn't have the people in to even do, you know, the engineering and the recordings and whatever. So they were going to get some people um, to do it. And I just, I don't know, it just didn't, it just felt funny. And I kept hearing people uh, read my book for me initially, mm -hmm. and it just sounded really not like the right thing to do. And by the way, Audible people tell me that, you know, the people who are actually reading their own book, it's, I mean, it's easily five to 10 times the number of, you know, listeners on those books. It really makes a huge I would bet, yes, that's awesome. Yeah, so anyway, um, so I live in Marin County and uh, my kids happen to go to school with, um, member kids, um, kids of the Grateful Dead and Metallica and a few other people. So I was like, there has to be studios, Santana. Right. Um, you know, there has to be studios around yes. here somewhere. I just didn't happen to know who they were. So again, as, as my friend Porter Gale always talks about and wrote a book a few years ago on this topic is your network your network is your net worth. Right. And, um, and I just started calling around and asking right. people and I figured it out pretty quickly and awesome. we did it in a local studio. It took me, I could have done it in three days. I mean, it's a 200 and, uh, you know, change book. I could have done it in three days. Um, but the problem is, and why you really want a great engineer, um, and person who knows what they're doing is that your voice after a while, like you think, okay, no, I'm, I'm great. I've been reading for five hours. It's terrific. Um, your voice starts to go down. You're tired mm -hmm. and you can hear it. I mean, I could even, I even ended like the first day because I just, whatever, hadn't, you know, noticed it as much, but I thought, oh, I can go about half an hour more. I had to redo that because my voice was really, you could hear it. And, mm -hmm. um, so I, again, I love to learn too. So mm -hmm. I just geeked out on this whole process too. I learned so much about audio and about mixing. And, um, and so even for my podcast, I was so happy that I had had that experience although it you know it was challenging I didn't know where to start I figured that part out but then you know had to it, it took me five days ultimately to do it and and um and then I had to go back in and do a few sentences here and there but um but you always learn from those challenging mm -hmm. times right where now I can advise other authors on it I totally I I, I think I have a very people who know me know that I, I like to simplify things and right, I like right. to break them down so that everyone can understand it. Oh, and, cool. and it's, um, and so I, I, um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, maybe I should. You were so good at it. You, you were really should write another honestly, book in order to do an audio. I felt like you, like, I remember being in like home goods and walking around and shopping and like, you know, just like there Kara's with me, like Kara's just like, tell me her story. And I'm just like browsing, you know, listening to her, her audible. It was great. It was so good. You did, you did such a good job. Like you didn't miss oh, it. Honestly, it was really you're good. So nice. Well, I think it's also, you know, when you think of the, genre. And then also there's very few women that are, you know, 
there's a lot of inspirational women, but there are very few women who are writing books and operating a company. Mm-hmm. And there are very few founders 16 years later who right. are still the CEO of the company. And so I think that that I wanted to get my story out there and write you know, this so that other people could learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm, what I'm finding is that even when you look at the number of business books in there, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the people are, they're definitely in business um, and they're inspirational, but very few have actually operated companies or they're not operating today. Right. And, or they're talking about, I think that the other piece that I've, we've all seen a lot of is that there, there are authors who are writing books about, I was there and here's what happened. And I'm not saying that those things didn't happen and they weren't bad, but that's not what this book is. My book was to say, you're going to have challenges Mm-hmm. It's not all going to work out the way that you want it to, mm-hmm. but you need to continue moving forward and stop staying complacent. Doesn't mean that you don't take names, mm-hmm. you know, don't make the same mistake twice, right. all of those things, but you've got to put your, you know, stakes in the ground and figure out how to make your journey something that you're going to be proud of. And if you end a day with a bad day, then know that there's tomorrow and that you're going to make tomorrow better. And it's, you can compare the two on, you know, the bad day versus the good day. And, you know, and, and that's what you want to do. You want to end each day the best you can possibly do, but also remember when they're, when you have the bad ones and you will, that how do you make tomorrow better? Exactly. Oh, I love that. So good. So good. Okay. So with the addition of the hand hand sanitizer line, I can't say that word. My goodness. It's Friday. Here we go. And then the sunscreen. Can we talk about the sunscreen? The grapefruit just spray all over you. I mean, it's just, it's great. So so you've added some more lines to complement the water and you tell the story of the book about why, which I love. Um, are you thinking about adding any other lines? Or, or you, if you can say. If you We're can say. always looking at, it, at making things better. And yeah. so I think that I always think about there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's probably more, but how I view the world, there's two types. There's ones that actually look at the stuff that isn't there and no one is doing. And those people like me are a little bit crazy because when there's no one else in the category, it's just hard and it takes more time, right? When you're talking about something that is just not there, Mm -hmm. sounds great, but you might be developing a new category. Versus the other type of entrepreneur that's out there is looking at companies that are out there and essentially knocking them off Mm -hmm. and maybe having access to more capital, maybe tweaking it slightly, whatever it is. And I am not the latter type of entrepreneur, not to say that there's anything wrong with those entrepreneurs, but I tend to be the crazy 
that just creates the new and sees the white space where somebody is not doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. So if there are products, if there are lines that are like that, that are, it's not to say that there wasn't sunscreen out there before, but there wasn't, you know, oxybenzone free sunscreen that didn't have zinc in it. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was, um, you know, that was really the core for me that I wanted to develop something truly different that would be in a new category within sunscreen. Mm -hmm. And so, and then the deodorant, I wanted a natural deodorant that didn't have a coconut base. So there were natural deodorants, but not having a coconut base, when I saw it as such an importance in a product, coconut's a class one allergen. And so I've learned in the food industry and the drinks industry, like, for example, we don't run coconut on any of our lines um, because we promise the consumer that we don't have any class one allergens. So we don't do peanuts, Mm -hmm. coconut, nothing that is, you know, a potential for contamination and and harm, especially Mm -hmm. to somebody who's allergic. I take this very seriously. Um, also because I'm allergic to coconut and I know how serious it can be class one allergens. The reason why they're categorized this way is that your throat could close very fast. Right. So it's, it's something that, you know, I thought, well, there's probably people out there who want a deodorant that is natural, that doesn't have a lot of stuff in it. And they want to move away from antiperspirant that has aluminum in it. Uh, and, but if it has coconut in it, like, why isn't everybody, you know, moving, why isn't everybody realizing what I'm realizing? And um, so that's why we created that. But I, you know, well, we're always tinkering. (laughs) So with stuff, and I didn't have plans before the pandemic to do a hand sanitizer. But when I saw how bad the smell was, and the hand sanitizers that were out there, I, I thought, you know, we can do better than this. It's oh, and you did. Hard. Honestly, you sent me a beautiful package. Thank you so much for all of those goodies. Like everyone in my office and my kids were like all fighting over everything that you Yay. sent. And the biggest one was the, the the sunscreen and the hand sanitizer, which we we re, you know we went through that and you know quick very quickly. But they were so good, really good. You know, and it's interesting to watch the beverage space with all of these bubblies coming out and, um, you know, and, and different types of even, you know, in, in the alcohol space, all of the bubblies coming out and it's just, there's, it would be, is it hard for you to just stay in one lane or do you think about that stuff all of the time? I think about it all the time. I think it's, I think it's kind of the way your, your head is right. Mm -hmm. When you're. Um, when you're, you know, it's my DNA, I think find the white space and it's, it's hard for me. And I, I walk, I walk into a store, I look at ads, I'm, you know, I'm constantly looking at, you know, what if this was here? Why isn't it this way? I mean, I'm definitely, I I've been attracted to consumer products. It's actually ironic because I, I was a journalism major in college. I mean, I always thought that I would, I was just curious, right? About, but probably having a dad that was always looking at products and, and, uh, 
and also always telling stories. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I had a phone call a few years ago from an advertising agency that was, that was working for, um, for healthy choice. And they wanted to talk to my dad and he passed away about 10 years ago. And I said, I'm, I'm so curious, like, what did you want to talk to him about? And they said, you know, he told stories on the back of his packaging about the sourcing and about everything. I mean, this is the seventies, right? He was so far ahead. Of, really was. Right. Of what people wanted to, to hear. And frankly, that stuff got discontinued too. They're like, people don't want to hear the stories of the fishermen. Actually they did. Mm. Like they really wanted to hear it. And, um, and they built trust around knowing who, and, and so I, I, it was a really interesting dialogue because I, I knew what my dad would say that, you know, you have to, I think talking about the sources of the products and, you know, coming back to, um, to some of those stories where they came from. And I mean, he would tell stories like the, you know, shrimp, the best shrimp get caught at 4 a.m. And so the shrimp, the fishermen that go out off the coast of St. Simon's Island, Georgia, are, um, they don't have breakfast with their kids, right? And they're giving up because this is what their job is. They're passionate about it. Like, I mean, he would talk about these things that you felt like you knew these people. Right. You know, and, and they were true, you know, I mean, they, and, and so I think that again, all of your journey, you get these little pieces and it, it you, I'm so curious because I think a lot of those stories were part of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what made me, you know, kind of think about consumer products, storytelling, all of that sort of stuff. Right. Well, and then, then you think about your dinner table, you know, I mean, I know what our dinner table looks like. We're always talking about business or, or, or talking about ideas. You know, my, my one son, my, who's my type one diabetic, he's so into 3d printing and, you know, oh, he's creating all of these different types of things. Um, you know, and some for my, my coaching clients, you know, I have a cake designer and he can't get this one thing. So why it's going to make it for him. And, you know, he's 11. It's like, it's like, you know, so, so don't you just love that with your kids that they're like a piece of it and they're a part of it and they like see you doing what you're doing. Totally. I mean, I think really that cool. that's, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think what somebody had asked me, the, somebody had asked me the other day, you know, would my kids come and, and take over the business? And I said, uh, I, I said, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I have four kids that are now three in college, one in one in uh, actually one just graduated from college and is going to graduate school. But uh, I know it's crazy to think That's about crazy. this one, one in high school, oh. but more than anything, I just want my kids to be happy. And I think what they've seen though, just by living in this house and having those dinner conversations is that if you stand up for yourself, you follow your passion, hard work is totally fine. Um, you know, my kids have heard numerous stories about the soda industry. Um, I've been fighting for clean water in Washington, even though I'm not a representative or a mm -hmm. lobbyist or mm -hmm. right, that you can do kind of whatever you want to do. 
you right. can you can craft your own role right. in the world and figure stuff out and stuff that you're really passionate about and make a difference mm -hmm. even if you don't have you know the perfect experience or um or know what you're doing along the way in fact just asking questions and coming in with a new lens and so whatever whatever journey that they're on right now definitely I'm still their mom and I'm annoying and you know they don't want to look at my book anymore or you know they, they drink hint all the time uh but you know it, it's uh they do want to drive my gem car that I have that is wrapped and it's like looks like a go-kart or not a go-kart a golf cart and um, and, and so they drive that all over and, you know, people laugh. I mean, they just think it's so fun. Uh, but yeah, so it's, um, they like that part, but the rest of it right now, they, I'm sure they're learning, but they're still, you know, I remember when I was their age and looked at my mom, like, and my dad, right. like, don't talk to me about I it. I know, I know. I'm horrified. Oh, Kara, so good. So good. I know we could talk for hours. This is amazing. Um, so leave us with your words of wisdom, like your personal mantra, you know, what is your kind of go-to phrase when you have the doubts or the doubters coming your way? What do you, what's your go-to phrase? I think just get out there and, and try and figure yeah. out, um, I complacency is not the answer. You have to figure out what you love doing every day and enjoy yourself, but also, do something that has meaning and purpose mm -hmm. and that can change things. And I think probably what I'm most proud of is that the fact that I've done that, right. I've, I've created an entirely, not just a product, but an entirely new category. Yeah. I think somewhere in the world, uh, there's probably people saying that it's, you know, had some impact on the sugar industry, on the soda industry, just by having an alternative to a product that is actually good for you, right? <laughs> that you don't have to worry about, um, you know, your kids that are diabetic or um, ha having too much sweetener in your life or whatever it is. And, and I think that individuals are the ones that make differences. Companies make differences, but individuals, it comes from a, a place of, of meaning and of, of wanting to go out and create change. Most great companies come from that space first, then they develop into companies. And I think that that is something that I'm just so, so proud of. Oh, you have to be. I am so proud of you. It's amazing. The story, the journey, the amazingness, like everything, just you as a mom, as a person. Uh, and it's, it's great. Congratulations on all of this. The best is yet to come. Where can we find you? Where can we buy the book, social media? Yeah. Tell us. So the, East coast. So <laughs> social media, Kara Golden with an I am all over all channels. Uh, also, the the book is undaunted overcoming doubts and doubters mm -hmm. bookstores everywhere as well as amazon and then of course pick up a bottle of hint if you or the sunscreen or any of the other products we sell them on our website at drinkhint.com but also amazon and lots of stores costco target uh walmart sam's club everybody has it and it's um it's uh really really tasty so definitely yes. 
um, and, and great on your skin and everything else. So Yes. Yes. You have got to try the sunscreen and you have got to drink. Like if you want to just be styling this summer, you grab your Hint water bottle and you grab your sunscreen and you are good to go. That's all you need in your beach bag. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Kara. Take care. You too. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. Wow. What an episode. Did you learn something new? I hope so. I am so happy you were able to be here with us today. I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a review and I will be sure to read it and respond to you. Also, if you'd like to email me, my email address is urock at iEvolveConsulting.com. Hit subscribe and every Tuesday you'll get notification when the next episode drops. We really have some amazing interviews and tips in the future. Anything you need, I'm here for you. I want you to keep your momentum. I want to help you stay accountable. I want you to stay inspired. I want you to evolve. So please let me know what you need and I'd love to hear from you. Take care until next time.